Exodus chapter 25. Exodus chapter 25. And uh, if if you're over on this side and you can't see so well, don't uh, hesitate to move across if it will help you because uh, there's things up on the screen that may be a help to your understanding in the word. Exodus chapter 25. And this is the account of the tabernacle being built uh, in the days of Moses after the children of Israel have come out of Egypt. And in verse 31, we read this. Make a lampstand of pure gold and hammer it out, base and shaft. Its flower-like cups, buds and blossoms shall be of one piece with it. Six branches are to extend from the sides of the lampstand, three on one side and three on the other. Three cups shaped like almond flowers with buds and blossoms are to be on one branch, three on the next branch, and the same for all six branches extending from the lampstand. And on the lampstand there are to be four cups shaped like almond flowers with buds and blossoms. One bud shall be under the first pair of branches extending from the lampstand, a second bud under the second pair, and a third bud under the third pair. Six branches in all. The buds and branches shall all be of one piece with the lampstand, hammered out of pure gold. Then make it seven lamps and set them up on it so that they light the space in front of it. Its wick trimmers and trays are to be of pure gold. A talent of pure gold is to be used for the lampstand and all these accessories. See that you make them according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. And please keep your Bible open there. Well, it's that time of the year again, and all over the country and all over the world, Christmas trees are are going to be going up uh, in people's homes and in the community. But I have to say, I don't think any of us have ever seen a real Christmas tree until you've seen the Rockefeller uh, Center Christmas tree in New York City. And this is a tradition that goes back to 1933, when some workmen put up a Christmas tree uh, that didn't look too spruce, I have to say. And uh, it was 20 feet high in those days and it had paper galas and fruit and tin cans on it uh, because of the uh, recession and the depression at those days but today it is 90 feet tall has 50,000 lights and over five miles of wiring aren't you glad that you don't have to go and check all the bulbs on that to make sure it's working And the origin of Christmas trees is quite interesting. Some people believe, and this is uh, borne out uh, by repetition in in history, that the origin of Christmas trees really came from Martin Luther. Uh, Martin Luther was on one Christmas Eve walking home uh, to his family, and he was walking through the forest, and he was so deeply impressed by the stars shining through the Christmas tree, the, the, uh, the fir trees, he thought it looked so beautiful, he tried to tell his family, about all the glories of God that he'd seen in creation when he got home and he couldn't convey it to them so he did the next best thing and he went out and he 
cut down a small tree, brought it home and lit candles and put them on the tree. Now, I I would never have thought of doing that for safety. Uh, And in those days, candles were made of uh, animal fat, so it probably stank as well. But uh, that was how the story of the Christmas tree begins uh, with uh, Martin Luther and his act there. And uh, from there, it's more likely that it was Prince Albert who brought it into our country in the days of Queen Victoria. Although uh, records dating from 1800 show that the Queen's grandmother, Charlotte, who was also a German, brought the custom to King George III's court as well. And that's where the Christmas tree seems to work its way into our Christmas decorations at this time of the year. I always think it's a great tree to use because it's an evergreen. And uh, we're telling about the one who, who never dies and, and rose again. And the one who has uh, the power of an endless life. It, it's an arrow pointing up to heaven. And uh, it's a, a, a testimony to God's creation. In fact, in Isaiah 55, at the end of Isaiah 55, the fir tree is quoted in the King James Version there as being the trees that celebrate God's goodness. So that's where the Christmas tree comes in. But actually, you know, it wasn't the first tree to be lit and brought inside people's homes. Because that tree was actually the lampstand, or what we call the menorah, in the tabernacle. You say, John, what is the tabernacle? Well, the tabernacle was the tent temple that the children of Israel used to meet to worship at, and worship in, if you were a priest, uh, on the journey from Egypt to the Promised Land. And it was the canvas cathedral. It was the, the place where they met with God. And this, this tabernacle had, uh, and the word tabernacle means a tent. It was God's camp, his tent, in the middle of their camp uh, where they would worship the Lord. And inside the tabernacle, there was two rooms. And in the first room, which was called the holy place, there was different pieces of furniture including a table uh, had bread on it called the table of showbread, a golden altar for praying at called the incense altar, and the lampstand, the menorah, as it's called in Hebrew. And then in the second room, you have the Holy of Holies, which was where the Ark of the Covenant, you remember Indiana Jones and the Ark of the Covenant? The Ark of the Covenant was a real piece of furniture from Bible days, which was the throne of God. And that was in the most holy place, which only the the high priest could go in on one day of the year. And that was in the second room, which was actually the third compartment of the whole tabernacle. Uh, But this is where the lampstand was put. It was put inside the holy place to give light. There was no natural light inside the tabernacle. There were no windows. Uh, Unlike the Temple of Solomon, by the way, which did have some windows up the top, the uh, tabernacle never did. So it needed light for the priest to be able to work inside, to come in and, and put the incense on and change the bread and to minister in prayer. And actually, the tabernacle was fascinating because it had three sources of light. In the outer court, it had the natural light of the sun. And then inside the holy place, you had the light of the, of the lampstand, the menorah. And then if you went into the holy of holies, because it had that big thick veil there. Remember the veil that was torn in two when Jesus died? There was no light in there except God's own light, the Shekinah glory. 
And that was the light that lit that part of the tabernacle. Uh, but this is where the tabernacle was. And this, this tree, this lit golden tree, was brought into the tent uh, in the days of Moses for light and for worship. And some people may think to yourself, well, some themselves, well, you know, are you sure that's really meant to be a tree? Yes, I am. And uh, I'm not the only one either. Um, the Jewish study Bible says with central shaft and three branches emerging from each side, it resembled a stylized tree. That's from a Jewish perspective. The cultural background study Bible says many of the terms that describe items on the lampstand, e.g. the flowers and the blossoms, along with the extended branches described in verses 32 to 33, lead one to believe that the lampstand is meant to represent a tree. And the archaeology study Bible says it's design which consists of three branches on each side of a central shaft with t- was typical of stylized trees depicted in the ancient Near East art. So yes, it, it, it was designed to be a tree with lights on. And if you remember Alan's studies in the tabernacle when he was with us, he showed how the tabernacle looked back towards the Garden of Eden and, of course, the the tree uh, in the garden. But it not only looked back, it looked forward as well. And that's one of the beautiful things about the things of of the book of Exodus. They look in two directions. Like the Passover celebration, which looked back to the redemption when the children of Israel were brought out of Egypt. The Lord Jesus gave that a new meaning and he said, that points to me. So it looked back, but it looked forward too. And we're looking today at the menorah, the lampstand, in its New Testament meaning. Because this tree becomes so important, this this lampstand becomes so important in the New Testament. It becomes a symbol of a witness to God. In fact, there are are four places in the Bible where it's said to be like a witness. Uh, It is a witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 8 verse 12. At the Feast of Tabernacles where they lit giant menorahs in the temple, Jesus stood up and said that, he said, I am the light of the world and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. And if you're looking for light in your life, you need to turn to the Lord Jesus. Israel is said to be God's light in Isaiah 49 verse 6. And God said uh, to the tribes of Israel in Isaiah 49 verse 6, I've made you a light to the Gentiles. And it's fascinating that if you look on ancient Jewish coins and look at the symbol for the nation of Israel today, even at the IDF where it is a menorah, a lampstand uh, there depicted on that little flag there. It's also a picture of the church. And in Revelation chapter 1, you remember the Lord Jesus walked among the lampstands. Uh, and this is what it was talking about. It's not talking about single candlesticks. It's talking about the menorahs. All the furniture of the tabernacle is in the book of Revelation. And Jesus walked among the lampstands. And the Revelation one twenty tells us they are a symbol of the church. But they're also a sim- it's also a symbol of the individual believer. You remember the Lord Jesus said of John the Baptist, he was a bright and shining lamp and you enjoyed his lamp light 
for a time in John chapter 5 verse 35 and in Revelation 3 and 4 we're told about the two witnesses who will come in the last days and they are like the lampstands who will be God's messengers in the earth in those days. So you see in different ways with different groups of people it is a picture of a witness to God. Somebody who's shining and radiating for God in this world. Ultimately the Lord Jesus Christ but also by extension his people. He said, I am the light of the world. And he said to the church in Matthew 5, he said, you are the light of the world as well. And that's why I want us to have a look at that this morning, because that's what we want to be this Christmas. You know, we want to hold out a testimony to the world around us. We want to be a bright and shining lamp as the church of Jesus Christ. And we want people to see his light in our message that we share with them. And I want us to see four things this morning about the menorah and its message. I want us to see its substance. I want us to see its structure. It's shining, it's light going out, and uh, it's servicing at the end of the chapter. So first of all then, it's substance. And if you look in verse 31, uh, we read, Make a lampstand of pure gold and hammer it out, base and shaft, its flower-like cups, buds and blossoms, and it shall be of one piece with it. And then down in verse 36, you'll see the buds and branches shall all be of one piece with the lampstand hammered out of pure gold. Now, it's a, an interesting thing that a lot of times people wondered how, how we knew what the design of the lampstand was and had we got it right. Archaeology in recent years has come to our help because uh, somebody noticed, if you go to Rome, there's a big uh, sculpture called the Arch of Titus, which was a, a parade arch which they marched through, and it had carvings on it of the victories of, of the Titus's battles. And one of those battles was in AD 70 when he conquered Jerusalem and they raided Herod's temple and carried away the valuables from that temple. And what we see on there is the menorah being carried away. Uh, just there, you can see, uh, uh, carried on the shoulders. It also shows, by the way, the table of the showbread and the trumpets, uh, the silver trumpets on that same arch as well. And that showed us that we'd understood what the design looked like accurately in our studies. But you remember the reason why they took it was because it was so valuable. It was made of pure gold. We saw this in the passage twice in verse 31 and verse 35. It was hammered out of pure gold. And actually, if you look down in verse 39, it says a talent of pure gold is to be used for the lampstand and all these accessories. And the talent was about 75 pounds of gold. So it was extremely valuable. And uh, it, was, it was made of something that was absolutely uh, uh, amazing for the Jewish people to work with. But it was also hammered out in one piece. And this is remarkable, isn't it? In verse 31, it shall be of one piece with it. And again, in verse 36, uh, the, branch, the buds in the branches shall all be of one piece. And you think of making
taking that, hammering that out with a hammer. You know, Bezalel and uh, Aholiab who made these things for the tabernacle, what craftsmen they must have been to do that with the tools that they had in those days and the skill to make a, a lampstand out of one piece of metal. There's no soldering, there's no joins, there's nothing like that. It's all hammered with a hammer into that beautiful shape. But this means that this lampstand, it it was something of value. It was something that had quality and unity at the same time. And that's what the Lord wants us to be as his people, as his witnesses. He wants us to be like that lampstand in quality and unity. The quality of gold is to be in our our witness and our, 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 our lives. And Peter tells us that this is why many of us go through trials and sufferings and difficulties. Because the testing of our faith is bringing us forth as gold. Job 23 verse 10 said the same thing. He said, when I've been tried, I'll come forth as gold. And God is working in us to to remove impurities so that we become a strong, clear witness to him. And the fact that it's all made of one piece and united as a substance tells us God wants that quality with unity. He wants us all together as, as his people to be in that situation. And uh, this is so important for the church of Jesus Christ, what he wants us to be like. You know, gold is weighty and valuable. And God wants us to be people who have a weighty and valuable witness to other people. And that's what we need to see God is working at in our lives to bring us to that place. So if you're going through some time of difficulty at the moment, understand this is God's purpose. This is his plan in your life and mine. Why does God allow difficult things to happen to his people? Why is it that when even when we become Christians, you know, all our suffering doesn't stop? It's because he's making our faith to something precious to bring him glory and to bring a bright witness to his own name so that's its substance second thing i want you to see is its structure and in verse 32 through to verse 36 we have the structure of the lampstand explained and it's very important to understand that when moses and the children of israel made this lampstand they weren't coming up with this beautiful design themselves in fact if you look at the very last verse in the chapter verse 40 god said this instruction to moses see that you make them That's not just the lampstand, but all the accessories as well and the things that he'd already spoken about in the chapter. See that you make them according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. And that verse is also quoted, by the way, in Hebrews 8 verse 5. And what God had done was he had shown Moses the plan and the blueprint for the tabernacle. You know, we've all seen Charlton Heston coming down the mountain, haven't we, with the two tablets of stone. But one thing you never see in those pictures is Moses came down with a scroll as well. He came down with the plans for the tabernacle as well as the Ten Commandments. And God gave him the designs of what it should be like uh, according to 
the pattern of what is in heaven as we see in the book of Hebrews and in the book of Revelation. And so its structure was to be made uh, according to the tree-like design that God revealed uh, on that occasion. And there's three basic parts to it. We have its branches, we have its bowls or its cups, and we have its buds and blossoms. So let's just go through those. First of all, we have the branches. You'll notice the uh, lampstand has three branches on either side. Now the lampstand, the menorah proper, the lampstand proper is the central shaft. And that is sometimes called the shamash. Uh, shamesh, it's, it, it means sun or bright. And uh, the central shaft is actually what is a picture really of the Lord Jesus himself. Remember, he said, where two or three gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. And the branches are like his people, and he's in the midst. They're joined on the sides. Uh, They come out of his sides. And you remember, that's just like Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. uh, Adam, uh, God took Eve out of Adam's side, didn't he? And he made a wife for him. And, And out of the side of Christ on the cross, The blood and the water flowed and and the last Adam was uh, making a bride for himself. And we are joined to Christ and we are his branches. I am the vine, you are the branches, he said in John chapter 15 to use another similar analogy here. And uh, these branches reach out on the side. Now, if you were in the tabernacle, you'd notice that the lampstand was sideways on. The tabernacle itself faced east. I made this terrible mistake once when I was younger and I was a teenager. I made this beautiful drawing, of, well, I thought it was beautiful, of the tabernacle. And I thought, just for, in, you know, just for make it look really authentic, I'll put a, a north, south, east and west up on the top there like they do on maps. Except I got it wrong. Because the tabernacle doesn't face north, it faces east. It was facing east. And that was so that the children of Israel, when they were worshipping towards the holy place, their backs were towards the east and they were facing west. You say, why does that matter? Because they were turning their backs on Babylon. Babylon was in the east. They were facing towards God's direction. And when uh, the children... uh, Adam left the Garden of Eden. He came out the east side. And uh, God wants us to be facing the right way (laughs) in that sense. uh, In terms, uh, wanted them to be facing the right way in worship. And so uh, the, the lampstand is sideways on. And it is facing, its back is southward and it's facing northward. And that means it has six branches going Three to the east, three to the west. And what a picture that is of the church of Jesus Christ as a witness to the nations. East and west, the Lord is sending out his people. And the light is shining forward uh, with the message of the Lord Jesus. This Christmas, God wants us to be holding out the gospel of Jesus Christ far and wide to all those who will hear and listen. And we need to learn that lesson from the lampstand. Then we also have on it the bowls, the bowls or the cups as they're called. Now if you look closely at the the top of the uh, menorah branches, you'll see they have a bowl 
and those bowls are for holding the olive oil. It has pressed olive oil uh, put into there, uh, and it was to be provided by the people. Exodus 27 verse 20, that it wasn't the priest's job to go and get the oil, it was the people's job. And out of all the camps of Israel, whenever the people pressed their, their olive oil, they were to bring the first pressing to the priest for keeping the lamp burning in the tabernacle and uh, the oil was to be provided and by the way oil in the bible is a picture of the holy spirit and i want to say this the message of this is it is our job we've got to seek the lord for the holy spirit just like the people had to bring the priest the oil it's not just oh he'll get the oil it's all right he'll get it he'll do it We have to bring it. We have to. And you know this is where our prayer lives come in. This is why at Pentecost the church had to pray. Before they went out to preach the gospel. They needed the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to do so. And the bowl at the top. The bowls on each of those branches tells us. That not one of those lamps can shine. Without the oil to burn it. You see it's not a candlestick. It's a lampstand. The King James, oh, I love the King James, but it is mistaken calling it candlestick. There's no candles. They didn't, candles didn't exist in those days. It's a lampstand for burning oil. And this is the picture of the church empowered by the Holy Spirit. Dear friends, if you will pray for anything for our Christmas services, and I want you to pray for a lot of things, but if you will only pray for one thing, pray for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. That's what we need more than anything else. Uh, I often say about the PowerPoint, if there's no power, there's no point. You know, we need God's power to be able to serve him. And the bowls teach us that. Give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning. The old song. That's what we need to sing. So there's the bowls. And then there's the buds and the blossoms on the side. And you'll notice this uh, is in uh, verse 33. The cups, three cups shaped like almond flowers with buds and blossoms are to be on one branch, three on the next branch, and the same for all six branches extending from the lampstand. It's to have uh, buds and blossoms going up the sides. Now, there's different... um, historical interpretations of this josephus has some views about it thinking that the the the, what was called the nops k-n-o-p-s in the king james version the buds was the uh uh, pomegranates and the others were like the almonds and and things like that but the most simple explanation and i believe this is right is a.w pink he says if you look carefully at it and this isn't the best picture to see it on but you look it's the development of the buds of the almond and it starts off like a bud and then it opens to full flower and what you have going up each branch is a picture of fruit developing to openness and you know that again tells me what God wants from his church he wants us to to be reaching out he wants us to be spirit filled and he wants us to be bearing fruit for him that we may be his witnesses John 15 verse 8, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This was the design that Moses was shown on the mountain. And this was the design that they build the tabernacle menorah from. And I want to say, dear friends, we need to follow God's design too. We don't just come up with our own ideas about what a Christian looks like. 
The Bible says in Romans 12 verse 2, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. It's God's plan. It's God's plan. Colossians 3 verse, tell, 3 verse 10 tells us we're to be renewed in knowledge in the image of our creator. His plan of what we should be like to be his witnesses. So let's seek to take the picture of the Christian from the scriptures and ask God to work that in us this Christmas time that we may be effective as witnesses and lights for him. And then thirdly, we see it shining in verse 37. Verse 37, he says, Then make it seven lamps and set them up on it so that they light the space in front of it. Now, the, the seven lamps <coughs> shine together as one lamp. And it's interesting, when they were to uh, tend the lamp, they were only to tend it uh, at a set number at a time. They couldn't snuff them all out and then light them and start again because the light had to kept, be kept burning all the time. So you dealt with some lamps and waited to deal with the others later. Uh, but the light was to be shining all the time and the light was to be burning forward. I like the fact it's seven lamps. Seven is a number in the Bible of great significance, of perfection and completion. And also it's uh, symbolic in many other parables. You know, the Lord Jesus gave the parables of the church in Matthew 13, didn't he? The kingdom of heaven is like, and he told about the sower going out. There's seven parables about the church. In, in Ephesians chapter 4, where one faith, one baptism, and all that, there's seven of those. The, you know, seven is the number connected with the witness of the church. And uh, Zechariah 4 verse 6 tells us, it's not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. That's how God's work is done. You know, in Hebrew, that's seven words. And our light, our witness, is to be shining forward at this time. And it says lighting the space in front of it. Now this is done by, on the lampstand, the lamps were, ang they could be angled. And they could, were angled in, in a way that did two things at once. They shone onto the central shaft the of the menorah, uh, the, the main lamp, which is of course a picture of Christ. And our light is to be pointing to him. Paul said we preach not ourselves but Christ Jesus is Lord. The lampstand didn't look at itself and say, look how beautiful I am. <laughs> it pointed to Christ. And this is what our witness is to be. We're not trying to impress people with how great the church is. We're trying to tell them about Jesus. But it shone forward as well. So they were pointed inward and they leant forward so that the light was falling on the table of showbread and on the incense altar so that they could be illuminated. And this again is a picture of the church shining forth its light in these days. Ephesians 2 verse, uh, sorry, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 15 says about us holding out the word of light uh, in these last days in which we shine like stars in the universe. We're to be people holding out the word and shining at this time of the year. And our witness to him is best seen in what Christ himself has done in us. You know, that, that first lamp, 
the middle lamp, the, the Shemesh, that one had to be lit in a very special way. They went and they took with tongs a coal from the brazen altar outside where the sacrifice was made and they came and they held it to the wick and they lit it with the coal from the fire of the sacrifice. Then when that one was lit, all the other lamps were lit off that one light. Now can you see a picture there? Our light is not our own. It's in his light we see light, says the psalmist. And it's his light that we've got to share with others. And so that's where the light comes from. And our witness is to say, this is what Jesus has done for me. You know, in 1964, in New York City again, uh, they had uh, what was called the New York World Fair. And at the opening of that World Fair, they lit up something that had never been seen before, the Tower of Light, huge building lit up with lights and and in the days of of Christmas lights this was one of the the first times you'd ever seen that many lights uh, and that much illumination but you know the man they invited to do it was a very unusual man his name was Chief Tarari he was a Peruvian headhunter he had personally killed 20 chiefs uh, of other Peruvian tribes and he had decapitated them and stuck their heads on sticks outside his own hut. He was responsible for the murders of many other jungle people. But one day, this man who was such a dangerous man that even the Peruvian police would not go into the jungle to try and arrest him. They were so frightened of him. One day, two ladies from the Wycliffe Bible translators came to stay in his camp. And they were no threat to him, these two ladies. All they had was a book. That's all they bought, was a book and some pens and paper. But he saw how they loved the Lord Jesus, and they loved him. And as they told him about the good news of the gospel, his heart was melted, and he himself became a Christian. And he ultimately then went on to lead 200 tribesmen to Christ. And they asked him to light the light. I can't think of a better person to do it. He's saying, I've got a light. It's the Lord Jesus Christ in me. Do you have a light? Do you have God's light in you? Shine it this Christmas. Don't whine, shine. There's so much to share about him. Think of our brother Chris in hospital. Isn't that just what he's doing in the midst of all his uh, difficulties? Let's follow that good example. The final thing we see here is its servicing in verse 38 to 40. It says in verse 38, its wick trimmers and trays are to be of pure gold. A talent of pure gold is to be used for the lampstand and all these accessories. Now, by means of these accessories being included here, we understand, first of all, in in, in Exodus, that this lamp has to be tended to. And uh, those who have ever had a a lamp in the olden days, you'll remember that you used to have to cut the wick and things like that uh, to keep it fresh. Well, they had to tend the lamp every day as well. In fact, in Leviticus chapter 24, uh, we're told that the priest would come in in the morning and the evening to tend to the lamp. 
Uh, it says in verse Leviticus 24 verse 1, The Lord said to Moses, Command the Israelites to bring you clear oil of pressed olives for the light, so that the lamps may be kept burning continually. Outside the curtain of the testimony in the tent of meeting, Aaron is to tend the lamps before the Lord from evening till morning continually. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. And uh, Aaron and the high priest had to go in and they had to tend the lamps. And that meant for the light to keep uh, burning bright, it had to have stuff removed and it had to have stuff added. It had to have the burnt ashes of the wicks removed. Otherwise it would uh, stop the light being able to burn. And so it had a wick trimmer and a tray for gathering it in. You didn't just scoop it on the floor so everybody else could walk on it make the place a mess had to be put in the tray and carried out and this is a picture of christ dealing with us in our lives removing the rubbish out of our lives and then pouring in his holy spirit uh, so that we can keep burning for him you know this is what we see the lord jesus doing in revelation 2 and 3 with the seven churches in the book of revelation Correcting them on this, saying you're doing well on that, but putting this right, and this is something I'm upset about. Uh, And what was Christ doing? He was trimming the lights. He was keeping the lampstand or warning that the light was about to go out. And this is what we need to do daily in our own walk. Morning and evening is the times of meeting with the Lord for us, isn't it? And uh, uh, we have our quiet time, we pray, we read our Bible, and we ask the Lord, was there anything you're trying to say to me today? Help me to hear from you. That's when we trim the lamp, and we make sure we're receiving the oil of the Holy Spirit to burn brightly for him. So tend your lamp. Remember what happened in Matthew 25, when the trumpet call was sounded, and the cry went out, the bridegroom is coming, the ten virgins, and by the way, ten lamps in Solomon's temple, ten virgins stood up and they tended their lamp, they trimmed their lamps. I think it's time to trim our lamps, church. Jesus is coming. We need a bright witness in these days so meet with the lord this christmas don't say oh it's too busy it's christmas i'll get back to it in the new year you need to keep tending your lamp so that your light shines brightly for him just in conclusion i just want to share with you something that's absolutely fascinating that i came across in my studies it doesn't come from the bible but it comes from jewish history you know the temple had the lamp as well Uh, it had a number of lamps in fact they had silver lamps as well as gold lamps according to the book of chronicles but a fascinating thing happened with the main lamp about 40 years before the temple was destroyed and that was the lamp couldn't be lit anymore and every time the priest went there the priest was trying to light the lamp and it wouldn't light anymore And it's recorded as one of the strange things. There's a lot of strange things. If you read Josephus, there's a lot of strange things that happened in the days before the destruction of the temple. Uh, The gates of the temple closed on their own in the middle of the day. Those gates, you say, oh, that could be the wind. Those gates took 20 priests on each side to push those gates closed. A calf gave birth to a lamb. One of the heifers gave birth to the lamb in the temple, according to the historian Josephus. All sorts of strange things. 
And one of the strange things that happened was the lamp couldn't be lit anymore. 40 years before AD 70. Now, when was that? AD 30 to 33? Because the Lord Jesus, the light of the world, had come. It's not the temple and the law anymore. It's the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it happened at the death of a man called Simeon the Righteous. And that's next week's sermon. (laughs) So next week, next Sunday, we're having a whole day on Simeon, God willing. Simeon, the person in the morning, and the prophecies of Simeon in the evening. And I hope you'll come and join us. But... uh, Be a lampstand and a witness for the Lord Jesus this Christmas. God bless.